Hello and welcome back to Misplay Mondays. This is Zach coming at you with episode five. I'm here with JT today. Yep, Travis is still out, but uh, it's good to be back and talking to you guys. Yeah, uh, just everybody out there listening, send some love Travis's way. Uh, he's just getting used to being a father, so give him give him a little time off from all this. Yep, he's doing. <laughs> he and the the wife and the child are doing great, but yes. uh, it's uh, it's taking its toll. Yeah, he's got to adjust. Mm-hmm. Gotta adjust. Uh, little life updates here. Uh, I'm not sick anymore, which is fantastic. I think I said that in our in response episode, but man, recovering from everything just makes it so much better. Uh, and in terms of my life update, uh, I may have dyed my hair um, in an anticipation of a job interview this week, which I am particularly excited for. So we'll find out how that goes next week. Yeah. Oh, man, you're really going to freak out your employer when you show back up and your hair is no longer dyed. Uh, yeah, that's not that bad. It's just, like, no more gray. But not, like, a ton less gray. Just, like, no. It took, like, three or four years off my look. Yeah. I like the salt and pepper look. I'm, I'm, I have a red beard, so I'm going to go salt and paprika eventually. <laughs> that's always that's what I've been. So, since we don't have Travis here, episode's going to be a little bit shorter today. Uh just trying to get through some stuff that we really thought was interesting, especially after the new Capenna update we gave at the end of last week. So kind of jump into it. Uh, JT, how do you feel about the rapid release of sets? Like 2X Masters, Commander Legends, it's a lot of product a year, plus all the standard sets. So I've got feelings about this. Um, And I kind of like it. I consume a lot of magic media, and to be quite honest, that it's fun for me. It's something for me to do and keep track of. Um, I don't buy a lot of standard product usually, so having something for me to... I, I pay attention to every spoiler season, but having something for me to get engaged with and want to buy, uh, it's going to be at least twice this year, and then a third time whenever we hit... Uh, what set is that? Unfinity? So, the three sets, like, normally I would only be really excited for three sets uh, this year, which would be Double X Masters 2, uh, Masters Quarter, uh, Masters to the Fourth. Um, I would also be excited for the Commander Legends set and for Infinity. Like, th- th- that would be what I would be excited for. But this year, they've done a good job of making me care about most of the products. I love Dominaria. I've been playing for 20 years. I have to love Dominaria. And then we get the Brothers War at the end of the year. And then Kamigawa, we got to go back to one of my favorite planes of all time. And uh, it's as many, as much as it is, I've liked it. I really have. Yeah. I, me, I, I actually have enjoyed it too. It gives me something to look forward to every month. New sets coming out. New draft formats. But you know, the fatigue is real. You know, we're like, mm-hmm. I just bought a box of Kamigawa, and then what, at the end of April, we get Nuka Penna? Yeah. Uh, I mean, very be- very beginning of May. Like, and that's the thing I don't mind, is that I, I don't think I'm going to be getting a box of Nuka Penna. Not Not because of, yeah. I, I, I don't think it's going to have quite as much for me as Kamigawa did. It had cards for so many of my commander decks um, that it really was just 
I'm going to buy this box. I'm going to get some value, plus I'm going to get all the cards that I want, and it'll be fun to open packs. Yeah. And I think Nuka Pen is going to be more of a, I'm going to cherry pick the singles I want, like the triomes or whatever they're calling them, and yep. a few other choice cards for Commander decks. Maybe a Legacy playable, maybe not, and have some fun with it. I think it'll it'll just be a nice little supplement. It'll almost be supplemental to me. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think... I think it's still appropriate to call them triomes because in my mind, trilands refer to the tap lands from Shards of Alara and uh, Cons of Tarkir. And then triomes, and then they will call the triomes. I think it's, I think triomes is going to be what we stick with in the community. It just seems easy enough. Yeah, exactly. Uh, back on the trilands thing, one of my buddies from college, when I started playing Magic with competitively, messaged me separately about the triumph discussion he's like do you remember when we saw those cards and we said wouldn't these be great if you could fetch them <laughs> and now we can i mean like what that's to over 10 years ago we said that oh god i've been out of college for that long yeah um, yep. oh no uh, but that's it was kind of cool that we kind of called it way back when <laughs> so so i actually have an interesting like discussion point on that at least a little bit um the question that I asked myself as a thought experiment a while back was, how good can you make a tap land? Um, so this was back uh, probably about two years ago. So before we had Triumphs and before we had the tapped snow dual lands from Kaldheim, uh, I was asking myself at different rarities, what is the best uh, dual land that you can produce? Uh, at common, I think I, the answer that I came to was tapped and could have um, basic land types on it. Yeah. And then they, they one-upped me and did them with snow. Um, and I also thought that at rare, you could do a tapped try land. And they one-upped me there by adding cycling onto them. Yes. I, I think the cycling is what really makes them good because they're not dead draws when you're like, oh, this comes into play tapped or mid-game. It becomes hard. It replaces itself. It's what makes it legacy play like not as a it's not a joke in legacy. You can play one in weird decks if you need a, a, a color. Like you can play them as a one of in a format where there are actual factual dual lands. Yeah. Um, the tapping for three mana and being fetchable with nine out of ten fetch lands is pretty sweet. Mm -hmm. uh, like that's just useful. They're amazing for commander. Oh, agreed. Do you think like, the, your dark band will see the use of the band triumph that we're getting? That's a good question. Um, I don't think so. I think it would be more likely to get the Esper one. Okay. And so hear me out on this. What you want, I think what you want for a tri land is you want two main colors and an off color. Uh, I don't know. And because so dark band was already considering playing either dark band or uh the red band were considering playing a tri lane especially if you're going to do field of the dead stuff yeah uh your mana base really only has room for one so maybe it is best to uh, maybe it is best to get your three best colors on a land but i think the better choice is to give you access to your splash color 
off of any fetch land from your deck. Um, which is pretty close to the case. It, it allows you to play, like, the good duel. I, I don't know. Mana Theory's weird. <laughs> yeah, I, I, um, I agree. It, it, it's a tough thing. It's going to have to take some testing, and, you know, it seems pretty good with Uro in your deck, because you can just drop Uro, put that into play tapped, you know. Maybe yeah, a, a it's better, better, land. It's better, better with... It's definitely better with Life of the Loam, because mm-hmm. that's in itself an engine. Yeah. But I don't know. I, I think there's room for exactly one tri land in that kind of in that kind of a legacy deck. Uh, I don't want to be playing it. I'd rather be on Blood Moon right now. Yes, Blood Moon uh, is the uh, way to go. <laughs> yeah, it, it's Blood Moon's feeling pretty powerful. Uh, so I, I've kind of built my deck, both the deck that I'm going to be playing. At the uh, 5K in Pittsburgh, with that in mind. Now, if I was playing a smaller event, I would definitely be playing Mono Red Prison again. That just felt really good. I think you could play Mono Red Prison at the 5K in Pittsburgh if you weren't loaning it out, <laughs> potentially. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, Hunter and I actually did some testing. Um, we gave them the, the rundown of uh, how to do tournament play. We uh we had some trouble. Um, <laughs> uh, we had some trouble with that deck because we kept forgetting that Blood Moon, <laughs> Blood Moon was working, and we're tapping lands for two mana and stuff like that. It's like I didn't forget it for my lands, but we both missed it for his stuff, and uh, I challenged Chuck in a bunch. Oh, always good. Good it's... practice. <laughs> yeah, I, if he's gonna play it, he's got to be able to recognize. The, that people will try to chalice check them. And yeah. he was a good sport about it. That's good. I mean, we've all chal- been chalice checked or yep. checked chalices in our days. It's not, it doesn't always feel great to do it. It feels kind of sleazy, but, you know, we do it anyways. I think it's fine. Mostly yeah. because you know you're going to get. I The way I feel about it is I always feel bad when I, whenever I miss a chalice check. Not because my opponent put me to the test, but because I failed the test. That's what gets me. So I, I feel dumb. <laughs> um, but. Uh, so one more thing on those cycling lands, though, is that uh, Rosewater has confirmed that they are the only cards in the set that will have cycling. And I kind of really like that. Not necessarily that we're not getting cycling back, which uh, is an ability that I love but that they're willing to print um, a, si- a single cycle of cards with, uh, with a, an ability that isn't in the rest of the set just to get them into our hands. I, I, yeah, that, I like that idea from a, play points, a player's standpoint where it's just like, you know, these are things that we know you want, so here you go. It, it's listening to the feedback that we want these things, and we want them faster. I hope it's indicative of them using named keywords that are not, like, ones that come up all the time. So, you know how Consider has... it's You could... The card Consider, which is, look at the top card of your library, you may put it into your graveyard, draw a card. Yes. Um could be written as that or as surveil one draw a card. Yes. And 
I would have liked for it to say surveil one. That and, and that would and that be the only instance of surveil in uh in that set and not not worry about it whatsoever. Uh, but that's my preference. I like the we're gonna use some named abilities again. And like <laughs> this was weird because they, they had a channel card that was essentially cycling, but not cycling. So the the red two two with haste artifacts for one mana, the reinforced samurai or whatever, basically has cycling, but it's not cycling, so it doesn't benefit from any of the cycling trigger cards. Um, I don't know. I think it was probably appropriate to do in that set and call it channel, yeah. but it's one of those things where this is exactly the same thing as cycling, except it doesn't count as cycling. So you, you don't get the payoffs, and they probably have some testing that they've done for other formats. Uh, I guess they don't test that much for other formats, but maybe it's still kind of fitting, because Aquaria is still in standard. No, it's not. Oh, it's not going to rotate it no. out. No, that no. tells you how much I pay attention to standard. Yeah, you've been you missed the, uh, I missed the mark the on that for like a year. Yeah. Oh wow. That's, yeah. This man, I'll tell you, years feel weird nowadays. What were we talking about? Where you're like, yeah, well, then I'll drain, and then the next set was called time. I'm like, dude, you missed like a year in there. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, we were just talking about. Uh, we were just, I think, just talking randomly about something and. I said that, and you were like, well, what about all these sets? And I went, oh, those all came out in between. I totally forgot. <laughs> yeah, that just goes to show you, like, we're spoiled right now. This year yeah. has, had, has had excellent sets, and it's going to continue to have sweet sets that I'm excited about. Yes. There was about a year from, oh, what was it? But Theros Beyond Death was, was a huge flop in my book. Yeah. They dropped the ball, and there was no story uh, on what should have been like a very story-focused set. The the com- everyone was caring about Elspeth coming back from the dead because we knew it was in the works forever, and we got nothing. We got like five cards that showed pictures of what happened, and basically no story. Um, yeah, because of the tragedy that they did with War of the Spark, where they just messed up everything, and they're like, now we got to fix it. <laughs> and Theros Beyond Death that I'm pretty sure there was a book in the works that they just like canned because uh, of how bad the book for War of the Spark second War of the Spark book was and how that just didn't work with I mean, they only killed three characters off and we didn't even get a card for the main character of the War of the Spark book so oh, wow. yeah Dak Faden was, the main yeah. Char- was one of the main characters in that book and we did not get a card for him and he died off yeah. screen. <laughs> well, no, he died in the little video thing they did. That was very well done. That was the only chance that that was the only reason that we knew that he died. Yeah. And <laughs> uh, it was really anticlimactic. He just like got zapped and fell down. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that video was awesome. But yeah, I watched that like eight times at least. Oh, me too. Maybe, maybe yeah. more. I'm going to watch it after we're done recording because it was probably. So yeah. Uh, Maro, speaking of other things, Maro has confirmed he said that standard legal sets won't have third-party ips yeah which i think think is important so uh, a notable distinction being third party does not mean not dungeons so dungeons and dragons is not a third-party ip for wizards because Mm. they own it yeah so we could have more standard 
Dungeons and Dragons set. Um, and obviously, that doesn't say anything about modern legal sets, because yeah. Lord of the Rings set is going to be modern legal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it's interesting. Yeah, I, I, I think it's good for it not to be in standard uh, from a collector standpoint, because then it, those cards that are third party IPs, like let's say the Lord of the Rings set, the one ring could be a bomb standard card and just drive the price of it up. That's not standard consumable for most people. You know, I'm wondering what the one ring is going to do because that like the one ring, I, I watched the extended edition Lord of the Rings and my YouTube has been filled with videos of it that I've clicked on a few of. And it's just like, yeah, sure. The one ring was powerful allegedly, but like, all anyone ever did was use it to turn invisible for a bit. <laughs> yeah. That, that might be because only hobbits were using it, but, like, cool. what and, is it uh, going to do? A equipped creature is unblockable. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, that would be such a disappointment. <laughs> I, I think it's going to have that on it, but... Um, is it just going to be Whisper Silk Cloak? Uh, <laughs> just skin oh, no. it, Whisper No. Uh, it's going to be indestructible. Yeah. And uh, equipped creature is unblockable, and there's got to be some like huge downside and also really powerful ability that comes with it, like pay five or play a lot of black mana or and do something really ap- make Sauron or something. I don't know, that's yeah, yeah, like, something really bonkers. Uh, uh, I'm excited, I think there'll be the Lord of the Rings one. Our podcast for Lord of the Rings will be pretty exciting because we all like Lord of the Rings. Yeah, it's you know, when I first heard about that and having it be modern legal, I'm like, boy, that just doesn't feel right. But the more I thought about it, like that was a thing that I thought would have been so cool when I was a kid. Yeah, like the back in the back of like Duelist magazine or Inquest magazine, every month they'd have like um, a set of four or five ma- like magic cards that they made where. Uh, they were from another IP, like X-Men or Lord of the Rings. And uh, I thought those were neat. And I never really expected to see them in Magic. And now that we're getting the Lord of the Rings ones, like, that token and his, like, whole world is just dripping with fantasy flavor. Like, I don't think we realize how much Magic has been influenced by that. But we're going to see some really sweet top-down magic cards. And, like, in the same way that original Innistrad was an amazing set, and, like, original Theros was really cool with all the ancient Greek references, they're really good at designing those sets. Like, these cards are going to be amazing. I I expect some very polarizing... um... Oh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, format warping cards out of that. So, uh, I'm not sure that we're gonna. So it's it's it is being printed for modern, but it's not being printed with a power level of uh, modern horizons. Oh, that okay. So yes, so it will not be a modern horizons set, but the cards will be legal and modern. If that I, makes any sense, uh, they, at least that's what they have said. They don't intend it to. They they intended to see some play. But they don't intend it to be like format shattering, like Modern Horizons one and two. Yeah, 
which we can be thankful about. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. No more Ragavans, please. I think there's a time and a place for a Ragavan. Yeah. Commander. <laughs> or no, it seems keep okay. it out of Legacy, thank you very much. Oh, yes. Keep it out of Legacy. That made Brainstorm's bad. Um, um, yeah, dude. Or Brainstorm, you had to put your lands on top. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. But you want those sometimes, and you're like, oh. It was... If the land, I don't even know, man. That card just did so many things. It was too good for Legacy. All right. Um, speaking of potential things for New Capenna that we didn't talk about when we did the Secret Lair, I actually didn't realize this, the hideaway lands that they did, the beautiful pictures lands of the $7 worth of cards, um, those lands got a slight rules tweak. So Hideaway went from just being Hideaway to Hideaway 4. Uh, so if you don't recall the Hideaway ability, it used to say, look at the top four. When this permanent enters the battlefield, it enters tapped. And look at the top four cards, exile one of them. Put the Shuffle the other three, put them on the bottom of your library in a random order. Um, now it says Hideaway and then a number. Now, it may also be the, the kind of thing where you could do hideaway, exile target permanent, hideaway, exile card from your hand. Uh, the permanent still comes, the card still comes into play tapped, but the number of cards that you can look down through your library could change. And they don't make changes like this unless they intend to use them. Uh, so it might be that we see hideaway in this set. Or in Dominaria coming up, um, but I, I expect to see us with see some new Hideaway cards. I feel like Hideaway would be an appropriate mechanic for Nuka Penna. That like back alley Ooh, hiding. You know, we have the Obscura. You know, obscured. You know, I feel like there's a lot of deception and stuff going on in this set. So speakeasies, man. Speakeasy. There you go. Mm -hmm. Knock three times and ask for Wilbur. <laughs> Wilbur. All right. <laughs> and the next big thing I, I have down here for us, uh, which I, you know, I like to put on the tinfoil hat from time to time when it comes to magic, was a Reddit post I saw a couple of days ago, or about a week ago now. Uh, it was from Reddit user Televangelis, uh, his lore theory. Dominaria United is a red herring like Mirrodin Pier once was. The set will be Dominaria completed with Dominaria falling to the Phyrexian and the Brothers' War will be time travel set where Karn goes to the past to fix it. Plot clearly inspired by Infinity War slash Endgames. Alright. So I think it's a clever idea. I don't think it's... Wow, well, I take that back. I don't even think it's that clever of an idea. Uh, I don't know. My thing is they don't tend to destroy um, they don't tend to destroy worlds anymore, especially when people actually like them. Uh, yeah. They've learned from their mistakes in the past where uh, they don't, they're not going to destroy a world that people really liked for no reason. Unlike they did with original Innistrad uh, where they did Avacyn Restored and basically, oh, it's not, we're getting rid of the werewolves. <laughs> yeah. Um, they had to retcon that. 
what else? What was another? Oh yeah, um, Zendikar, the original Zendikar, where we what? had two sweet world, two two sweet sets of um, adventure world, and then they nah, we're just gonna throw some giant uh, Lovecraftian horrors onto this world, and uh, it'll be fine. You guys like that, right? But no, we want our cool set, the cool world back. Yeah, the the world had a good flavor to it, and then they destroyed it. <laughs> now we have to fight off giant monsters. We don't get to be in adventure world. Um, it took a return. We took us coming back to it a second time to to really reestablish that flavor. Yes, um, and even though it it that it seemed like it missed on some levels, it did a little bit. But they they used to do that. Where they would take what they considered like the most interesting thing about a plane. Uh, oh yeah, like in R- R- original Ravnica, they destroyed the Guild Pact, the magical covenant of <laughs> of the world, and then they destroyed the Demir Guild. Yeah. Like oh, we had a cool world with ten pairs. Uh, what's the what's the point of the set of the of the block? Well, we're gonna kill one of them permanently because that's uh, <laughs> that's what we do. Oh, and cons. They they got rid of the wedge set, the, the wedge world, <laughs> like the and and shards of Alara, the shard set. They they merged all the shards. The core conceded the set, yeah. the block. But wasn't uh, that Nicol Bolas? No, no, no. That plan the plane was supposed to converge anyway. Oh, okay. Uh, so it was the way original shard set was. There were five planes that made up a greater that used to be Alara, mm-hmm. and. Some cataclysm split them into worlds that only had three colors of magic centered on one centered on one of the colors. Okay. And they used to all be one, then they split into five separate planes. And those were the planes that everyone loves. And then they crashed them into each other in conflux. Yes. And Alara Reborn is now the only plane. Alara the plane is now Alara. And um, they all have to get to get get work together again. And they took the really cool thing that was five small planes with three different colors of magic that gave them all a very unique feel, and crashed them back into each other and completely undid all the cool stuff. It's an interesting take that this guy has on the idea of what the story will be, and you know, at this point, it's speculation. It's yeah, just fun to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not my favorite way to take this because I don't want the Brothers War to be I really don't want it to be an endgame thing where we're going back and messing with it I want Brothers War to be the story of the Brothers War Yes, uh, but that's me as a boomer player I, that's what I want out of it yeah. I'm going to eat my avocado toast and be happy about it <laughs> alright and the last bit of Nuka Penna talk which we recently saw uh, spoiled on Reddit was the quote flapper Elspeth. Yeah, uh, that was. People were hoping for that, and we got it. Mm-hmm. And also, also one other thing, uh, Ob Nixilis appears to be murdering the head of the Maestros, um, potentially as a power grab. Eh, who yeah. knows? Could be getting a nice um, Grixis version of him. That makes sense. Sorry, yeah. Maestros version of him. Yeah. So where do you think Elspeth will land? Will she land with the brokers, the Bant shard? I think Elspeth is too pure of a person. But she's gone. She's literally back from the dead. Yeah. I don't know. I I don't. She's white and only white. 
uh, in terms of colors. Like she's never been anything but. Yeah. Even on even on Bant, she was not a blue or a green mage. She was always white. Uh, which really I think if they her... change her too much, it would be upsetting to the yeah populace. She's a beloved character. She literally got to come back from death because she was so beloved. Yeah. Um, but so, so she can really only land in one of three factions if she wants to land in any faction at all. Uh, which I think might be where she fits is not in a faction. She could be the good guy. Yeah. Or, or can we get a, a noir detective planeswalker and then she teams up with that person to go take down uh, crime bosses? I'd be all on board for that. But if whoever is in charge of the development of whoever was in charge, if they do any voiceover work, that planeswalker has to be like, yeah, she, you have to go here and get the. That is some of the worst. <laughs> That's some of the worst noir detective voice, but I, I like know. it. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's just that. Don't, don't get me wrong. I could not done. I could not have done better. Yeah, I. That is not in my repertoire. <laughs> it's not in mine either. No, but I. Ooh, yeah. I, it's interesting. I, I I like the. I said it a thousand times. I like the vibe. It's super cool. They're doing this. Uh, let's. I'm. Dude, I'm interested. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know. I stuttered there, but it, it's, it's it's super interesting. Continue with the Planeswalker talk. Oh, yeah. Tam, this is the big one. Tamio got completed. Who's next? Who is next? So we're going we're gonna to talk about who we think is going to get completed and who we want to see completed. Because they're two very different things. Um, I've got one that will make a lot of people sad. Uh, but I think it would be badass. I don't think... Uh, and so here's here's my take on it. I think I would love to see a Johnny Goldmane get completed. And he would be, he's got the same kind of mindset where he's got very strong morals that you could corrupt to use them for Phyrexian in the same way that uh, Tamio did. And I think he would be perfect uh, as a red-white walker again if they did that. I would look. He would look like the Arcbound Shikari, and remind me of a Johnny Vengeant, kind of all rolled into one sweet card of um, a sadness for anyone who likes a Johnny, and it would be amazing. I, yeah, I, I I have the Johnny Vengeant promo card on my refrigerator, and that is a sweet planeswalker. The Lightning Helix was just great. Tapping yep. down lands, destroying all the lands. It it was a really good feel for Johnny. Uh, my want... I have two. I have who I want to be completed and who I think will be completed. Uh, Nissa is my want. I like her as planeswalker. She's had a lot of printings over the past couple of years. She's been on almost every plane. Uh, I think it'd be really interesting to see her completed. You know, I, it would go against her being to be more artif artifact. I think it'd be really cool um, to see how Chandra's former love interest and Ch like having her be completed and see what it does to Chandra. Yes, I, I, that was another part of my point was just having her that that relationship. What happens with that? But I think, and this is tinfoil hat time. Koth is going to be the next completed. He was left behind on New Phyrexia. He could have had, they'd had a lot of time to do an experiment on him to figure out what happened. 
He may be gained another color. Maybe he'll be red black. I, I think he would be a like, you know, he could be like two a red and a Phyrexian black mana. Uh and I know you had mentioned that he might be immune to the oil because of Malira, but they've had time. You know, that's the nice thing about fantasy. They can be like, oh, they've cracked the code. I I like I have a different take on that. I'd like to see him be one of the heroes. Um, I don't need to see, like, the guy who's... I don't need to see their greatest hero cut down. You know what I mean? I'd like to see him leading the leading the good guys on Mary. He's been doing a lot of work with that. Um, I also don't want to see that done to Elspeth. Uh, yeah, she's been through enough. Let's let her be a good guy for once. She hasn't had that, like, every time that she's been a good guy, it's just not gone well for her. And I want to see her succeed uh, out of hand, like, complete success. Not like a success with some setbacks. Yeah. Oh, so this is a question you'll know, because I don't follow the story as mm-hmm. much as you do. Um, what happened to Xenagos' body after Elspeth killed him? So... Since he ascended to godhood in Nyx, um, you only whenever you die on Theros, that physical plane, you can go to the underworld. If you die in Nyx, that doesn't happen. So, like his physical body, I think it could still be just chilling out in the stars or maybe it faded away well okay let's if we take a look at what the cards say happened she killed him with uh the card deicide which exiles yeah um that's so she killed him the depicted in the card deicide she was using her weapon um whatever the spear was called which i believe also exiles okay so my best guess is that if Exile mechanic, I think his, I think his body vanished. I think it's just gone. Okay, I was gonna say it'd be kind of cool to see the whole like we went and found a body that was suitable and open to be completed, you know. And then Zenigus is the completed planeswalker, and we have like a Jund one. That'd be so. Cool. This is an important uh, note from Rosewater here. The way it works is. Uh, In order to be a planeswalker, so the the planeswalker spark is part of your soul. Phyrexians cannot have souls traditionally, and that's where the planeswalker spark resides. Now, Tamio got completed and still has a planeswalker spark, which means she either still has a soul, or they found a way to to mess with that. But what it seems like is that they need a planeswalker to kind of corrupt the soul for. Xenagos, even if they had his body, he's dead. Yeah. Um, so his soul, they could they could potentially turn his body into a, and complete him, but he wouldn't be a planeswalker. Does that okay. make sense? Yeah. And, yeah. and that's, that's why I wanted to know how all that worked was, you know, it was kind of one of those cool, like, Terminator ideas. Also, uh, he went from a planeswalker to a god, and in the process, I think he had to sacrifice his spark to do so, because magic is one of those things where they do a good job of uh, kind of differentiating, like... Not making Goku. 
Right. Well, no, not exactly. Um, if he was still a Planeswalker, he would be a Planeswalker card in that set. Okay. Um, so normally, Planeswalker status overrides everything else in terms of magic card design. So in the sense that Karn, a physical artifact, is a physical artifact creature previously is now a Planeswalker, is no longer an artifact. Tezzeret has, an, has a planar bridge in his arm, is in front Esper, where all the humans were artifact creatures. Um, again, is not an artifact. So the Planeswalker nature in almost all circumstances takes precedent for the mechanical identity of a card. Which, I, without going back and reading through a lot of lore, I'm pretty sure that means that Xenagos would have had to sacrifice his spark in some way to, to ascend to God. And I think that may have actually been part of it. Like, he used it to, as part of, in part of the party with all kind of ritual and devotion to him and whatnot uh, to ascend to Godhood. But <laughs> typically, whenever... There has not been... If Xenagos would be the only difference, but there has not been a Planeswalker with another subtype on the battlefield. Okay. Um, that makes sense. I, I I was just thinking something neat yeah, yeah. story-wise. No, no. I, I think I think that uh I've got a there's a bunch of other car like planeswalkers out there that I think they're really cool. Uh Hwatley for some sweet robo dinosaurs. Ooh. Um let's see here. Here's another good one. Oh, the one that I would never want to see done is uh Jang Yangu. Uh, I don't know how if I'm pronouncing that correctly, probably not. But the guy with his dog Mo Wu. Mm-hmm. I don't want to see them get phyrexianized. No. Um, He's a good boy. Yep. Although that would, if you want to crush me, heart and soul, uh, do that. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I would love to see one of the two twins of um, Will and uh, Ken. Will, Will and, Will and uh, Rowan. Rowan. Yeah, but they share a spark. So how right. I I don't really care how that would work. I want to see them. Uh, I want to see the the one get Phyrexianized and the other one fight against it. Uh, that would be sweet. Yeah, that you know what I agree with you. That would be pretty freaking cool. I, and I can't claim credit for that one. That's from uh, somebody on Reddit. There's a bunch of people that have wants of power. Who people who wanted power um, that would make sense to get Phyrexianized. Yeah. Um, okay. Luca makes sense. Who? Luca. Oh From yeah. Victoria. Oh he yeah. I could see him. And again, we got the giant monster, giant Phyrexianized monsters that he could bond with. Yeah. Like, how cool would that be? It, that would be pretty cool. I mean, we could go into an entire episode about each planeswalker being completed and how cool it would be. Yeah. I, I think they did a. Really, I think. The expectation now is it has to be almost as crushing as Tamio was because that story and how they did it was just like so, so good. I think a number of them have to be crushing, but I think in order to make it really hit home, they can just Phyrexianize a bunch of crappy ones that yeah. no one cares about so much and then hit us, with some, hit, hit us with some good ones. Yeah. I, I'll go with that. That seems like a good way to wrap that little bit up, just get a bunch, and let's see what the war looks like. 
Yeah. Uh, last, last little bit here uh, for the main section of our podcast. Let us know what mechanics you guys want to see in this new Shard Gangster set. You know, the more we have our ideas, but let's hear from everybody else. Um, you know, we talked about Hideaway, Cycling's not going to be a mechanic. What do you want to see them bring back? Or do you have an idea for something that might be fitting? Yeah, we got about a month and a... Wait, we got about two months before it releases. We got a little over a month before we... Is it what? Uh, yeah, a little over a month before we start seeing more spoilers uh, from Wizards. Yes. They did mention that there might be a another spoiler in between here and there. Huh. I'd be but, okay with that. Show me yeah. some cool stuff. Maybe and some story highlights. We will be getting story. We'll have a the story will be out before we get the next uh, big preview. Yes. The story meant by out, I mean like completely out. So again, the same way they did uh, Kamigawa, where we got all of the story before the preview started in earnest. Um, it's going to be the same way, and there's going to be uh, there's going to be a couple of cool things in there. It was mentioned on the on the live stream, but we've got we've got some cool story coming, and I'm, I'm excited to read about it. I hope it's not what they do, uh, <laughs> what they've done before, where they do like we're going to do one story about a person you've never heard about, and never cared cared about at all from each of the different families. Yeah, they, they do that so often, and I'm like. Yeah, I couldn't care less. Give me, give me, give me the planeswalkers. This is those are the important parts. Yeah, the the where the story follows through yeah. set to set, kinda. Honestly, um, they, I've I consume a lot of magic story content, and every time they do that, I'm like, skip, skip, skip. You go back and read the one part you needed to read. Go back to where you were at. Well, I don't even know. Uh, that it's just not necessary. At least oh. they've done that. Is that but those extra stories just aren't relevant. Hmm. Um, like the Guilds of Ravnica. Um, they're just little snippets that may come back eventually, and when they become relevant, I'll go read them, but they're mostly skippable. Okay. Do you have anything for your creatively competitive going on? No, no, not yet. Uh, not yet? Yeah, it's going to be a little while. <laughs> yeah. Um, with your interview coming up, totally understandable. Yeah, also I haven't got myself a chance to get my hands on any of the um, cards I need for Grixis. Turns out um, MTGO has some really weird prices for a couple of cards that are real cheap on in paper. Like uh, Hall Breacher is $50 a piece. Oh, jeez. <laughs> um, Meltdown is not necessarily cheap in person, but it's also $45 a piece um, for a Meltdown. And I have no idea how much Hidetsugu Consumes All is, um, but with the massive bump that it saw in paper this past week, uh, it went from like $2 to $11. Thank you, Brian Koval, for uh, warning me about that. I was able to pick mine up on the cheap. But even with that, like I, I don't know how much it's going to cost. Oh, and the good news for anyone who wants to play Blastoise online, uh, they doubled the drop rate of that card in Treasure Chests. So. Oh. Yeah. That's awesome. Yep. All right. So talking about my segment, uh, Sleeves and that, uh, just kind of talking about all the gear that we need for our game that we love to play. Sleeves, playmats, binders, dice, deck boxes, uh, binders, all the stuff you hate buying, but because you don't know what is actually good, 
I hope to shed a little light on it. It's something I've actually put quite a bit of time thinking about. I've tried a lot of different products Same. before I've really honed it down. Yeah. You know, I have my bread and butters, but I, uh, every once in a while I branch out and I go, let me try that. And, you know, much to the chagrin of my co-hosts, especially JT, he's like, well, how would you get something new? I was like, cause new's always better. Maybe. Um, we're going to talk today about some deck boxes. Uh, one that we as play group fell into by accident. Yeah. This um, is actually really cool. <laughs> yeah. So the Ultimate Guard Boulder 100 plus. Uh, they make an 80 plus, which is great, but we play a lot of commanders, so we always kind of get the 100 plus. It gives you that extra bit of room. Um, I really this the story for how we found these was we were playing our Wednesday night magic, which was when our modern nights were at our card store here, uh, SCG Latrobe. I think and, was that the night that you um. Was that the night that you were winning a bet against me where uh, I bet that you wouldn't show up wearing leggings and were drinking a pumpkin spice latte? Uh, you said I had to dress like dress like a basic white girl. I, I came in and I came in a hoodie, my wife's outer space leggings. They were and, sweet. And yeah, I found those at Dollar General, believe it or not. And a pair of Uggs. And I had my hair all messy and I went to Starbucks and got like a frappuccino. Yep. And JT was like, I'll pay for your entry fee if you show up like that. And I was like, deal. And then I won the whole thing. I, I went undefeated. Uh, I think oh. I think the trick here is that you were just so damn comfortable that you mm -hmm. could play no one else. Just outplayed everyone because you were just so damn comfy. I was. I will say it did get a little warm. The hoodie <laughs> I chose was quite warm and it was like this time of year. So I did get a little warm towards the end, but man, it was great. I got a free entry, and then I won like $110 in prizes. Yep. And, and, I, and also... And uh, also, this Yu-Gi-Oh! player that uh, to preface everything, the Yu-Gi-Oh! Wednesday night and the modern Wednesday night happened at the same time originally. Yeah. And the Yu-Gi-Oh! players were a little loud. They were very nice talking to individually, but as a group, they were loud. Uh, and I had for for now that for a little bit they were nice. They eventually yeah. got uh, kicked out. For yes, various reasons. Yeah. Uh, but I had went over and talked to the guy who seemed to be like the head of the group. He knew the most. I was like, "Hey, you guys are being real loud. We're playing pretty competitively. Uh, could you keep it down?" And he, he apologized to me later when I was outside, uh, getting some fresh air, cooling off. And he gave me a boulder. He gave me one. Uh, he was like an ultimate guard sponsored kind of thing or vendor or something i can't remember quite but he gave me a gray boulder which jt now has um i don't know how that ended up happening but it uh i think we were making my first one of my first or second oh actually i do know because it's where my slivers deck is we were making my first commander deck oh yeah and you uh, needed a box for it uh -huh. I was like, this fits. Yep. and he was like here take this my bad i'll get the guys to settle down uh, so it was a very nice gesture, uh, very appreciative. I can't remember his name, but thank you, uh, random Yu-Gi-Oh player. And ever since then, this has been like, when I build a commander deck, I go by my sleeves and I buy a boulder. Yep. The, these things are nigh indestructible. Um, they do they, not open when you drop them. That's no. great. You can, they open super easy. They're satisfying. I'm going to close one right now for a little ASMR. 
They have a satisfying click when you close them, and they have that satiny feel. Uh, FYI, we didn't hear the click, so. Ah, that's okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, but they have that nice satiny feel, and they hold, uh, it says 100 plus cards, and what that means to me is it's 100 cards, double sleeve. So when you inner sleeve, and then you put your whatever color card sleeve in, it fits snug. Your cards so we do, I do have a caveat about that. Okay. Um, it guarantees fits 100 cards sleeved. It yes. fits, it, depending on the type of sleeves you use and the type of inner sleeves that you use, it may not fit 100 double-sleeved cards. And I know that because I have some decks that fit about 96 cards double-sleeved uh, with the combination of sleeves and inner sleeves that I'm using. So I would recommend, get, if you're going to use these, make sure you find one that works. I believe the dragon my my best the ones that work the best are dragon shields and not perfect cards. Um, yes. So there are some you want to find the perfect fits that are actually perfect fit as opposed to have an extra half a millimeter. So the ones that that you are easily able to get the cards into like too easily um are not a good choice because there's more physical material in there, and that small amount of extra material will mean that you don't quite get all of the cards into the deck box. Yes, uh, I find that Dragon Shield sleeves plus the Dragon Shield perfect fits that they yeah. make, whether they be the Sidewinder ones or whatever you like, side loader ones, mm -hmm. uh, fit perfectly with a little bit of extra room if you want to fit a token or two in there, and then it Mine seal up perfectly. I don't have that problem. I haven't yeah. bumped into that yet. I do a lot more uh, mixing and matching of sleeves and stuff. Uh, not sl not sleeves, mixing and matching of perfect fits. Because yeah. every deck that I own is perfect fitted. Um, yes. But not necessarily with the same perfect fits on each card. I that, That'll be another sleeves in that where we talk about perfect fits. Uh, <clears throat> you know. We have opinions uh, on that too. <laughs> yeah, I have my favorites and sometimes... Again, my co-hosts look at me like, what? Why do no, I honestly, I think your opinions on that are a lot better than mine. Um, I do it out of convenience, not out of a sense of this is the right way to do it. Um, yeah. <laughs> I bought a lot of cheap, perfect fits one time, and unfortunately the ones that I bought were uh, the kind that I don't like. And they're difficult to sleeve, and they're just they're, it's just a rough thing to do, so... We'll yeah. have a review of the good perfect fits. Mm -hmm. I buy the same perfect fits every time. That's smart. I buy the cheap ones, and that comes back to bite me when I go to put them in my deck boxes. I find they don't get as dirty as fast either, but that's a different point. But the Boulder, what, they run about 11 bucks. They might have gone up. I haven't bought one in a while. They're about um, 10 or 11 bucks, yeah. 10 or 11 bucks, depending on your LGS or wherever you're getting them from. Oh, uh, they they actually have um, recycled ones now too. I didn't know that. Yeah, That's they make a recycled super cool. ones. Uh, from what I can remember about the reviews on those, they're not quite as good as a Boulder, but the Boulder is a damn near perfect product to begin with. So, and it fits in if you have one of those big like hives that uh, mm -hmm. Ultimate Guard does make as well. You can fit, depending on the size, you can fit, they stack one right next to the other, and you can have your backpack be clean and organized they for fit, wherever you're going. They fit very well. 
in a lot of places. Like, I'm able to fit way too many magic cards into my backpack because of how easily stackable these things are. Mm-hmm. Um, I overload myself and I'm like, oh, I just want to take a couple of commander decks. Well, I've got to take this one, this one, this one, this one. And then pretty soon my backpack is full of uh, what is essentially wood. <laughs> yes. You have a brick um, in your in your bag. Yeah. But it, it is a very important tool to have. Protecting your investment in this game is important. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're collecting as much as you are playing. And these can get pricey. You know, you ruin a card that you, you opened and it ended up being a $30 card. Well, you need to go buy that card to have your competitive deck legal for the tournament the next day. You're scrambling uh, and then having to shell out 30 bucks. So, Let's be thankful we don't have to play without sleeves. Oh, like, yeah. Like back in the beginning of Magic. Go watch some of those YouTube videos. It's wild. No, thank you. I don't I don't like taking psychic damage. <laughs> yeah, they're riffle shuffling uh, beta dual lands. <sighs> and not corner to corner, like front to back. Yeah, I know, uh, I know. It's, it's great. But that's sleeves in that. And... Uh, if you guys really like this segment, I would love to put it up on YouTube showing off, you know, features mm-hmm. and, you know, a little bit more visual stuff. So we can definitely do that down the road. Also, one product that we are, that both of us, excited about, at least take, to take a look at once it comes out, is the, the Professor and GameGenic sponsored a, uh, a product called the Academic that looks like it's going to have a lot of really cool features. So once that comes out, we'll... Uh, We'll take a look at that and see. We'll, we'll get one in our hands and review that for you guys. So. I, I also just realized it's a Kickstarter, so I might just go put myself down as a Kickstarter and, oh. and reserve myself one and get one ASAP. Nice. That'd be sweet. Yeah. And I like the color of it. I like purple. It's one of the few colors I can see. It's got some really interesting features about it, and we'll talk about those whenever we get it, but like... There are some questions that I have about it and whether or not it's going to be good. So it's one of those things that I want to really put my hands on before I uh, have some really concrete thoughts about it. Yeah. So reach out to us with your thoughts on the boulder and other gear. Maybe something you have that we haven't tried out, we can go find. I'd love to get my hands on it. I love trying new things. So uh, if you follow us on Twitter, use the hashtag gear goals or sleeves and that to uh use use sleeves in that that's a really cool one to get sleeves in that yeah (laughs) i'd love to see sleeves in that get trending that would make my day uh but let us know what you like and we'll take a peek at it and give you our opinion we we've been playing for a long time i've tried a lot of deck boxes sleeves etc all right guys uh it's been fun um zach it's been a pleasure having you on uh yet again this is quickly becoming one of my favorite times of the week yes we got to do it twice. Pretty yeah, back. We did. Missing Travis, but we'll get him back. Yeah. So make sure you send out your love to Travis, baby and wife. Uh, again, they would love to hear it. Uh, he's missing being with us right now. He did say he can't wait to get back to it. So He's got a lot going on this plate, though. So Yeah. So again, thanks to everybody who listens uh, weekly to us or bi-weekly when we get those extra episodes out. Thank you to Gingerbread Man Running for being our sole sponsor of our podcast. A fun fact about the word bi-weekly. It can either mean once every two weeks or twice a week. Um, it, it means both of those things, which is the dumbest thing in the world. Oh. Yeah. English sucks. <laughs> All right, guys. Take care. Everybody, see you later. Mm-hmm.